2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. I'm coming to you uh, live from from Cleveland on top of the uh, Cleveland Clinic Hospital. And uh, we'll be joined by co-host TJ Inman here shortly. Um, we're talking IU-Michigan State, the battle for the old brass platoon. Uh, we'll go over keys to the game, players to watch, matchups to watch, um, and our predictions and um, and TJ will be along with us here in a second TJ how are you i'm doing well thank you good uh, all right we have um a better connection than on uh, on monday um but anyway uh TJ we're breaking down uh Indiana Michigan state injuries are going to play a big one um big factor in this game as well uh as yeah. you know we've been putting in our previews uh, we do not know the status of Dan Feeney and Demetrius Camille, um, but we do know that um, Michigan State will be missing uh, at least one starting linebacker. Um, in in uh, uh, is it John Reshke and um, Reschke. yep, Reshke and, and Riley Bulla is listed day to day. He missed last week's game, uh, and on the telecast they uh, they said that he. Um, it, it might be a multiple-week injury, so they might be down two starting linebackers, um, and, and I think that that's going to play a, a, a big uh, a big part of this game on on Saturday.
3: Well, I you know John Reske was really really good. Well, first he missed their opening game, um, and for those that don't know, he's a starting interior linebacker. Uh, Michigan State's linebackers, their middle linebackers in particular play a huge role in their defense. So if they're without both Bola and Reski, that's going to be a huge blow to them. If they get Bola back, you know, he's kind of the signal caller for their defense. Uh, I think that they will be able to kind of mitigate the loss of Reski if they have at least one of those guys in there. It really helps. But uh, Reski missed the Furman game, their opener, with a, an injury, and then he came back, played against Notre Dame, played really well, had eight or nine tackles, had an interception, um he was really good in that game and then uh he was injured in the second half against wisconsin it's an ankle injury he's going to be out multiple weeks uh it's a big loss for them they're they've got a couple of guys um that they they like the talent of apparently but Andrew dell and uh, byron bola yes another bola family member for michigan state the younger brother uh, Riley, so he can step in there as well. They're both sophomores, limited game experience. Uh, it, it's going to be a downgrade if if uh, either one of them come into the game for Bulla or Reski, and a big loss, they're both out. No doubt about that.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, it's this game, I, I think Indiana opened up at as, as nine-point underdogs. Um, I saw the line was at eight the other day, and then I think it went down to seven, so you know, this is a game that a lot of people have, Michigan State, who's coming in at, at um, 16th in one poll, 17th in another. Um, you know, that a lot of people put Michigan State on upset alert. It's an 8 o'clock game uh, in Bloomington. Both teams are coming off a loss, so they should, you know, be wanting to rebound. You're going to get probably Michigan State's best effort. They don't want to start uh, the Big Ten season 0-2, especially with the aspirations they had coming into the season to where you know they get Michigan and Ohio State at home you know they have probably the the easiest path to uh, a Big 10 East title in terms of scheduling uh but you know they're now sitting at at uh, 2 and 1 losing to Wisconsin at home getting you know it, it was manhandled it was 30 to 6 this wasn't you know uh wisconsin michigan state game of uh recent past where you know it came down to a hail mary at the end or a block punt uh in the big 10 championship game uh things like that so you uh bet your bet your bottom dollar that that michigan state's going to come in here angry and you know we've we've seen it before with indiana after after a stinker they usually come out and 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 um, and play their best ball. You saw it a couple of years ago in 2014 when they lost at Bowling Green, a game that they, they should have won, um, and then come back the next week all but written off and and, uh, and beat Missouri on the road against a top-20 team um, for Kevin Wilson's signature victory. And then, you know, last year coming off of Rutgers, everybody thought, including us, thought that was, you know, a season-ender and, and a potential you know, era ender uh, for Kevin Wilson. But he came back, put together good games against Iowa, Michigan, um, and then, you know, took took the show on the road to beat Maryland and Purdue uh, to get to those six wins. So, you know, they, they're give them credit. They're very resilient. They usually play their best football after a loss. And I think you're going to get a, a good Big Ten game out of out – out of both of these teams and, and hopefully, you know, the crowd, you know, the crowd shows up. It's an eight o'clock game. You don't get many of those in Bloomington, uh, especially in big 10 play. I think the last one was in in 2012 for the big 10 schedule against Ohio state, but you know, take it while you can, this is a a prime time game against a top 20 team and uh, hopefully the fans come out and, uh, and support the team. Uh, on that note, TJ, I do want to say we are having our Hoosier Huddle tailgate on um, on Saturday. Uh, we'll be in the purple lots. I tweeted out a map of uh, a map of where we are at. We are uh, behind the practice fields in the purple lot, and uh, we'll we'll have food. It's uh, hot dogs, hamburgers, and uh, brats. Uh, there'll be beverages. Um, and uh, and some other uh, goodies. So please come out. Um, I believe we're starting at, you know, it's slated to start at noon. Uh, go till about 7.30. Um, we'll all head over to the walk, hopefully. And then, um, you know, I'll probably head into the game around 6.30, uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, but we'd love to see you guys out there. It's a good group of people. Um, and just to talk football, talk about the other games, talk about this game, talk about where IU is. Um, and we're expecting to have, uh, a nice uh, a nice group there as well so i just wanted to put that out everybody is welcome um so please you know stop by either you know for a while or for two minutes um we'd love to to talk football with you so anyway back to the game tj uh, you know let's let's go over some some keys to to, to the game and, you know um to me i think the first key to the game is an obvious one um you know, it's not as obvious to score more points than Michigan State, uh, but, it, but it's almost as obvious. Um, Indiana has to take care of the ball. And that, you know, starts with Richard Lego uh, coming off of five interceptions. Um, he's got to uh, make better decisions. Um, receivers got to make more competitive plays on the ball, and, and coaches have to make uh, better play calls. But if Indiana could cut down on the turnovers, you know, going against Michigan State and having zero turnovers is is uh is tough sledding, but uh, you can't have five. If you could limit it to one, maybe two, uh, I think Indiana has a real shot. Yeah,
3: well, I, I think that that
2: is definitely the
3: first key, and I, I would throw in uh, penalties as well, just kind of a cleaner game overall. Um, in my notes, I've got cutting out costly mistakes, and I think it goes for both teams. Uh, Michigan State, They've been a little bit uncharacteristically sloppy. Uh, it really hurt them against Wisconsin. They turned it over four times. It was three interceptions by Tyler O'Connor and one fumble. Um, it was recovered by Wisconsin, and then Wisconsin had a uh, uh, pretty huge defensive touchdown on a long return by uh, Michael Russo. So um, in their opener, they had 120 yards of, of penalties, Uh, committed two turnovers against Furman. They cleaned things up against Notre Dame, uh, winning the turnover battle by two, but then last week it was, uh, you know, losing the turnover battle four to two um, against Wisconsin. And, you know, really, you look at the stats in that game, and uh, Michigan State, they were really bad on third down, uh, and they had the, the turnovers, including Wisconsin's defense scoring a touchdown. But, you know, they... They were able to yardage-wise, they actually were right there with Wisconsin. They're both right around 320, so that was an interesting stat line. And then the Indiana stats last week as well were very interesting, where you have you know so much yardage, particularly through the air, but the five turnovers, you know, that it just they're absolutely killer, and they 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 proved fatal for Michigan State, and they, they did the same for Indiana. You know, it's Michigan State's deficit was much bigger, but you know, the turnovers were such that uh, it turned it from a very competitive game early on to uh, giving Wisconsin a a big edge that they were able to hold on to relatively easily. Um, So I think that that is kind of the first thing for me is the turnovers and penalties, just those costly, uh, it's easy to call them self-inflicted. I mean, Wake Forest did make some plays, but, and then, you know, one or two of the penalties I thought were kind of phantom calls, but, those are wounds that particularly when you're going against a team like Michigan State that typically does not beat themselves. It was not the case last week, but uh, typically they're a pretty disciplined unit um, that's not going to beat themselves. And, and you have very little margin for error to begin with when you're going up against the top 20 opponents. So Indiana has to do a better job of taking care of the ball. And for me, it takes me to a second key. One way to do that is finding better balance. Um, we, there was no balance to speak of last week there are multiple reasons for it one the absence of Dan Feeney and Doreen Camille like we said we don't know the status of those two so it's hard to say whether or not that's going to be improved uh, You know, Kevin Wilson mentioned that he thought um, Brandon Knight did a very adequate job at right tackle and that it wouldn't have really been any different to what Camille provided at that position Um, You know, I I don't know enough about right tackle play to dispute that, so I'll take him on his word there. But there's no doubt that missing Dan Feeney at right guard, he's irreplaceable within this program right now. And that would be the case for 99% of the programs around the country losing a player the caliber caliber of Dan Feeney that does as much for the offensive line and the overall offensive scheme as, as Dan Feeney does. Is going to have an impact, particularly on the running game, where Indiana does so much in the running game with him and what he can do. So that's a big one, uh, a big reason why. And then Wake and Forest's front deserves some credit for Indiana's struggles with the run as well. Um, so you, know, you look at what can Indiana do? That's gonna IU ran the ball 32 times, threw it 47. So you know, they strove for balance. It's just the results weren't there. They only had 100. 115 yards, an average of only 3.6 yards per rush, while Richard Legault, you know, threw for almost 500 yards. Now, eventually, Wake Forest was able to intercept five of those passes, as we know. I think you can cut down some of your uh, likelihood of, of having mistakes in the passing game and I think increase the effectiveness of the passing game when you're able to run the ball. It's no secret that if you can run the ball well, you're going to be able to maybe develop a play-action game or force the secondary to creep up a little bit and try to help out in the running game, which opens up opportunities for receivers, and I think Indiana's receivers are good enough that if the running game is at all effective, they're going to be able to beat their opponent one-on-one uh, against almost anybody in the country. Um, i I've liked what I saw enough from Ricky Jones, Mitchell Page, and Nick Westbrook now. We know what we have with those guys, I feel like. and We know that they're very capable of beating their opponent one-on-one. And If the running game can be effective and the Hoosiers can have some balance, uh, that's really going to help out Richard Vigo not have to throw 47 times. I think ideally You'd look for something like, I don't know, a 60-40 run pass split, maybe a 55-45, but I don't think you want to be throwing 15 more times than you run it. It is going to be difficult because Michigan State has a very strong uh, run defense so far. Furman had 2.6 yards per carry, Notre Dame Mm 2.3 yards per carry, and they were playing from behind much of that game, so they didn't try to run all that much, but... Still, 2.3 is really stout. And then Wisconsin only averaged three yards per carry on 41 attempts. Uh, they've got Malik McDowell and Demetrius Cooper that are really disruptive on the defensive front. And then, you know, Reschke and, and Bola and, uh, and the rest of their linebacker and core, Ed Davis as well. They're hoping to have him play more of a role. He's a six-year guy that um, is coming back from injury. They're working him back slowly. This will be his third game um, on Saturday. So it's, it's a very good run defense, and I, I'm kind of curious, what do you think, uh, Indiana, let's assume assume that Dan Feeney and Demetri Camille are able to play on Saturday, you know, we'll be optimistic, we'll, we'll hope for the best and assume the best and say they're able to play. So beyond getting those two guys back, what do you think Indiana can do to be more effective in the run game?
2: Because it wasn't amazing against Ball State either. No, and and you know Ball State now leads the nation in in sacks, I, I believe. So you know credit to them too. Uh, Anthony Winbush is is really really good, um, but in terms of uh, like run pass balance, I think getting guys to the edge um, and, and getting Mike Majet and Devontae Williams and Cole Guest the ball a little bit more and you know, you look at at, at plays and, and, you know, passive run plays, they need to run a a few more of those screens, uh, which are basically extended handoffs, um, mm-hmm. but count as pass plays. Because, as you've pointed out many times, and, you know, Mike Maget is really good at, at taking those screens and moving upfield. Now, he had one against. Wake um, Forest where he got a little impatient and, and ran up the backside of, of his blocker and, and didn't let him block where, you know, he got seven yards. But, you know, if he was a little bit more patient for his blocks to set up, he might have gotten, you know, 15 to 20 yards and, and may have taken it in for a touchdown. Um, but to me, I, I think that getting guys um, limiting the Vine Reddings uh, carries a little bit uh, will will – be helpful um he just does not have the explosiveness that uh these other guys have to hit the holes hard and especially against good run defenses where the holes aren't there for long um you know Redding is, is a nice back he's a nice uh guy to give you you know 15 to 20 carries uh but i, I think they need to mix in the uh, jet devontae williams and if Colegas is healthy um Get Cole Guest in there because he's, you yeah, know, his burst, um, you know, one missed tackle and he might be going to the house. So um, I think having those those three guys touch the ball a little bit more should help. Um, and, and, you know, I know Tyler Nate is a running back and scored a touchdown. He was playing out of the, the Wildcat, or I've been calling it the Big Bacon package um, for that touchdown. So if you take out Tyler Nate, Indiana's running backs have zero uh touchdowns this year through three games and, and that's not good. That's this is where they're missing, you know, a home run threat like Tevin Coleman um and and Jordan Howard who could run through tackles and, and punish people and and really get yards when, when yards weren't there. So um yeah, I think getting these plays, other guys The explosive yeah, play is been been
3: in the passing game, really. They've all been in the passing game so far which is kind of not what we've seen, um, and I'm not just going to limit it to Howard and Coleman, because we've seen some longer runs by Dev- Divine Redding, uh, and it just it, it hasn't happened yet uh, this season. But so we do we know... I, I know that Kevin Wilson did not uh, mention it on Monday. I don't know if he mentioned anything uh at any other point this week or if anything was said post game do we know anything about Cole Guest's availability um
2: no unfortunately i wasn't able to be in bloomington this week um it's yeah i, I from what i've read uh from the quotes uh, i don't think anybody asked the question and nobody right. um nobody has uh you know brought it up and, and kevin johns yesterday probably is not answering injury questions but if you look at the um if you look at the depth chart and I hate to do that um yeah it's still it's not limited, under the kick returner been, so. um but yeah you, yeah but you never know. Um so hopefully it was just a minor ankle thing. It'll be you know, is he out for warm ups is his ankles tape uh, or are his ankles taped? and all that stuff. So, you know, we'll see going into that game. I think he's a vital part. I think he's a big play waiting to happen, uh, whether it's this week or next week or a few weeks down the road. Um, He's a guy who's turned into a a nice little, you know, I I don't want to say, you know, third down back, but he's a nice little scat back um, with uh, a lot of burst and, and could make things happen in the open field. And, and if he breaks a tackle uh, or a guy misses a tackle, he, he could get big yardage out of that. And I, I'd like to see him continue on, on kickoffs as well because, you know, he takes the ball and, and he explodes out of the end zone and and can make things happen. Whereas, you know, some of these other guys, you know, either dance in the hole at running back or, you know, are not as explosive on kick return. So I I think, you know, having more of a run-pass balance, getting those safeties to play up a little bit um, and not double-teaming receivers or playing bracket coverage on receivers, just forcing them to do both things. You can't become one-dimensional. You know, it happened last year against Rutgers uh, where IU got out to a big game, couldn't couldn't really run the ball that well uh, consistently, and they ended up passing the ball a lot, throwing a couple interceptions, extending the game, uh, and letting Rutgers back in. Um, But, you know, having a consistent run game, you don't have to run for 300 yards. But if you could average, you know, over four and a half, uh, five yards a carry uh, and get the ball um, to your running backs 30, 35 times, I think they'll be fine. Um, The the next key to the game, TJ, I think, you know, special teams uh, and cleaning that up has uh, got to be a priority. He's now had two kicks blocked that has cost your team points. Um, in, the, in uh, the first three weeks he had a block punt that was recovered for a touchdown against Ball State and the block kick last week against Wake Forest where the, the most concerning thing is guys are coming off the edge unblocked. Um, and, you know, if it's designed that way, then you got to find a new special teams coach. But uh, to me it's it's more of a communication error and somebody's gotta tell these edge guys, "Hey, you've gotta block that guy, you've gotta block this guy um and and if you don't know what's going on, take that time out um'cause i u cannot afford to make those mistakes against a team like Michigan State and hope to survive that's
3: yeah, that's accurate i i it, we don't know um like you say, we don't know if that's by design, if it's communication error, if it was for an assignment, if it's a mental mistake um Whatever the case, you can't have untouched uh, rushers coming in on special teams. That's, I mean, those are big momentum-changing plays and, you know, scoreboard-impacting plays. So it's intangible stuff. I mean, when you, when you are able to block a kick and prevent an opponent from scoring points, it's a big shot in the team's arm. Plus, it's uh, you know, a bit demoralizing for, for the team that has it blocked and it's obviously keeping points off the scoreboard. So um, it's just as good as, it, as another turnover. It doesn't count as an official one. Indiana just had the five, but you could really look at it as, as having a six uh, with with having a field goal blocked. Um, but that is something to – plus, when you feel good about Griffin Oak's ability to to hit the kick, and you hate to not have them get the opportunity to do so because it gets blocked. So – You've got to clean that up, and it's just another thing that, um, you know, last week was just,
0: I think, sloppy.
3: Is kind, of kind of a good word for it. You know, you have the block kick, the turnovers, the penalties, particularly on one drive at, at a costly time, uh, and it, it just ended up being a, a sloppy performance that you cannot replicate if you hope, really, to win any Big Ten game, uh, but particularly one against the, uh, a, a team like Michigan State. So, um, hopefully, like you said, it's the it's resilience program under Kevin Wilson that they usually do not have two bad weeks in a row. Um, although, you know, last week, it's so weird. I, I have so many conflicting feelings about last week's game because there was so much to be positive about, but then ultimately it's a sour sour taste and a sour memory because of all the, the negative things that happened and then ultimately the results. So, um, it's it, Feels kind of weird to call it a, a, you know, a really poor performance last week when there was quite a bit of positive to take from it. But um, it, whereas Michigan State, they're looking at it as, you know, it's a this a program that does not lose back to that games very often. Um, it has No, the not last time they in,
2: lost one is I think in November of 2012. Um, yeah, when they went seven and six that year and. Um, since then they've really been
3: lights out at the program. Uh, So they do not lose back to back very often. Plus you look at the history uh, of this quote unquote rivalry, which, you know, Michigan state fans, if you look at their, you know, their message board, their, their fan sites, um, this is not really a rivalry to them right now. And I I can't blame them. Um, I think in basketball, they've, they view Indiana and Michigan State as rivals right now, but uh, in, in football, they don't see it that way. They've won seven in a row. They've won 16 in the past 18. Um, Indiana very rarely keeps them under 42 points. I mean, they are—they've have six in the past seven years. They've been above 42. Um, you know, when you win 16 of 18 against somebody in seven in a row, yeah, there can be a rivalry trophy associated with the game, but to the team that keeps winning, uh, you know, they've they've got a lot bigger fish to fry than a quote unquote rivalry with IU. So, you know, you look at the history of Mark D'Antonio and his program's performance after a loss, the history of this, you know, series with Indiana of, you know, I'd say recent past. Uh, but then you look at, how well Indiana does after a loss, typically under Kevin Wilson. You look at the positives that you can take from last week and say, well, you know, it's bad turnover luck. And and by the way, I I mentioned that on Monday, and the number was done on this on football study hall uh, associated with SB Nation. Those stats indicate that Wake Forest, with the number of passes they defended, should have expected to have two interceptions. They got five. So they got three interceptions more than you would expect with the number of passes they defensed. Um, That resulted in 19 points of turnover luck. Uh, I mean, that's an incredibly high number. Now, it's one game, so fluky things like that do happen. But if you take that, I think you can legitimately say that there were some, quote, bad luck things that happened to Indiana. Now, to an extent, you create your own luck and Indiana deserved to lose that game based on the mistakes they made. But you can also look at it moving into this game as, well, you know, the team the Michigan State the Notre Dame team Michigan State beat apparently isn't very good. So while it's impressive to win in South Bend, maybe that doesn't mean near as much as we thought it did two weeks ago. The Wake Forest team that Indiana beat or that Indiana lost to, I think might win seven or eight games, probably will win seven or eight games. Uh, Ball state appears to be better than people anticipated and you know notre dame got it handed to them by wisconsin or i'm sorry michigan state got it handed to them by wisconsin so there's just so much unknown with both of these teams i don't think either fan base really knows what they have right now with their teams uh, which is one of the things that makes this such an interesting matchup you've got so many conflicting kind of narratives heading into it that you don't know what's what um so i'm interested to see kind of what happens on the field saturday night not just for the results of it but kind of to give us more of a sample size to shape what we think about both of these teams but in interest to us and our fans to to iu obviously definitely
2: and and you know, you're playing for the spittoon. It's something that, you know, D'Antonio says the team takes seriously all their trophy games. It is a trophy game, and it would be nice for IU to, you know, have that tangible um, piece of evidence for, Vic, uh, you know, a win over Michigan State. No matter what this Michigan State turns out to be, a win over them is uh, monumental. You're, you'll get a trophy back. It's another thing you could parade around, you um, with the bucket um, at alumni events, uh, you know, and it's something to, for the students to rally around, um, celebrate with uh, in the crowd after the game uh, if they win. So, you know, it's, it's always dangerous for one side, not to, to to play up a rivalry, um, especially, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's, if you don't, if you take them, you can't take anybody lightly, um, and especially right. uh, a team like Indiana, who's put a scare into a lot of people uh, recently. So, you know, I, I expect a, a good game. Uh, I expect a, a good crowd to come out, um, and I, I, I really do. I feel a lot better about this week than I did last week against uh, Wake Forest. So, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. Um, but I, I do feel a lot better about this week. Um, but let's move to our, our matchup to watch. Um, it was written by Alex Compton. Um, he uh, his matchup to watch was uh, Tyler O'Connor against uh, Marcus Oliver, uh, the leader of both uh, units. Um, Marcus Oliver's obviously a linebacker uh, for Indiana. is the leader of that uh, of um, of their defense. And Tyler O'Connor is uh, starting quarterback at, at Michigan State. And I think them playing off each other, O'Connor's not going to, you know, run for 1,000 yards, but keeping him in the pocket, making him um, uncomfortable, uh, you know, forcing some throws uh, by Oliver um, will, you know, set the tone for the game. And, and if you could, uh, Indiana's defense could get a couple three-and-outs to start the game and build some confidence – uh, I think that'll go a long way um, in terms of winning the game. If it goes the opposite way where Tyler O'Connor takes, you know, the first two drives, first three drives, gets points on them, um, it'll build his his confidence and give him control of the offense and allow them to do a lot more. But, yeah, two weeks ago he was really sharp against Notre Dame.
3: Um, and heading into the Wisconsin game, it was kind of a feeling of, well, Michigan State's got – you know, they they still got it. I don't know why anybody ever doubts them. They you know still got it. And then last week he was 18 for 38, had three interceptions. Wisconsin has a really good defense, so yeah, I it it's hard to kind of know what we have with O'Connor at this point. But I think that it's fair to say he's capable of putting together a very nice game uh, against any defense. He's capable of it. However, he also showed last week he's capable of making a lot of mistakes. They actually put in redshirt freshman uh, Brian Lewerke. Mark D'Antonio insists O'Connor is still the guy at quarterback, and, you know, he should be. You're not going to not gonna pull him at this point. But, you know, if he struggles, D'Antonio did mention that Lewerke is going to have his chance throughout the season. So, um, you know, he's kind of the heir apparent for them. Uh, so we'll see if kind of he... To struggles and, and then you like you said if you can build confidence as a defense kind of continue to play some doubt in the in the, the mind of the Michigan State offense like well maybe we're not you know maybe we're not as good as we were uh, if if they struggle for a second straight week to start out you, know, you can create some doubt there but it's a team that has had a lot of offensive success against IU for the past few years um, 540 yards of offense last season. 662 in 2014, 473 in 2013. So Indiana really has not been able to keep them in check. But, you know, we looked at this Indiana defense, and I think it's undoubtable um, these guys are, are better than any Indiana defense we've seen recently. I think that they passed the eye test for that. The question is, how much better are they? And I don't think we know the answer to that yet. Um, we're probably not going to know the answer to that for a little while, but this is the stiffest offensive test that Indiana has faced so far. Um, yes. this offense has more weapons than FIU. It has more weapons than Ball State, more than Wake Forest. Um, you know, you're looking at their receivers, Donnie Corley, very good freshman. Uh, he looks the part of the highly touted recruit he was coming in. RJ Shelton is capable. He's struggling a little bit with, you know, more attention which he didn't have uh, previously with with some of the other receivers they've had that have departed for the
2: NFL. But uh, and a he's a guy who they get, the ball, yeah, they get the ball um, to RJ Shelton in a lot of different ways, especially on that. Yeah, seems to be whenever I watch Michigan State they're doing that jet sweep action um, to RJ RJ Shelton and then. You mentioned Josiah Price, who's been on our, you know, top five tight ends that IU's played. And this will be the, the third third week in, or third game in four games that IU has played a really good t- tight end. And, um, yeah, Johnny Smith week one um, and Cam uh, Seregne in in uh, last week. So, you know, they're used to playing good tight ends. And, and this is, you know, where those linebackers, Gray Scales has got to cover him. Um, And he's a big weapon. And then, of course, you know, uh, the running game with with L.J. Scott and and Gerald Holmes and and Madre London there as well. Um, While London hasn't gotten going um, and L.J. Scott has struggled to be an explosive back, it looks like Gerald Holmes um, is their big play running back right now.
3: Uh, It's really weird. Um, You know, both London and Holmes only got one carry last week. Um, You know, Holmes shredded Notre Dame. He had over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Actually, I think he had exactly 100 yards and two touchdowns against Notre Dame on, like, 13 carries. Uh, L.J. Scott will get the most carries. Uh, He's kind of the bell cow for him. Gerald Holmes is considered kind of the big back, but he has made the most explosive plays of that group. Uh, It's really odd, kind of, their running back carry distribution over these three games so far I would have expected Holmes to get a lot more work last week against Wisconsin particularly when their offense was struggling to find some answers Uh, but he didn't really get it so it'll be interesting to see what this defensive line for Indiana uh, that's done a lot better than we expected so far they really have uh, you have to give them credit so far that there were a lot of questions coming into it and I think there are still some questions because it's you know, it's just not an incredibly deep unit, and you're going to get worn down as the season goes on, particularly over the stretch of, of you know, ten straight weeks of power conference games. But uh, that's not a concern right now. That group is healthy right now, and they're playing pretty well. They'll, they'll get a pretty good challenge. I was not impressed with Michigan State's offensive line against Wisconsin, uh, particularly the, the pass protection. Tyver O'Connor was under a lot of pressure, especially on third down. And I'm hoping to see Indiana stay aggressive on third downs when they get Michigan State into those situations because the line didn't handle it well against Wisconsin, and O'Connor did not handle it well. Uh, It was a big reason why they fell behind was their struggles on third down. So Indiana has not allowed anyone to get higher than 3.7 yards a carry, and that was Ball State. And a lot of that came on kind of one run that – you know, was not a big play, but it was a, a longer run than what Ball State had the rest of the game. You know, Wake Forest only had 3.6 yards to carry, and they ran the ball a lot. So that's a pretty big sample size. And Indiana held them down. So I, if I think the game plan is pretty obvious for Indiana, you limit the running game like you have so far this season, with not let L.J. Scott, Gerald Holmes, and I'm not even sure Madre London is going to see much work, but now let those two guys get on track. Uh, and then you force Michigan State into some third and medium, third and long situations, pressure Tyver O'Connor, try to get to him without having to send too many on a blitz. You, know, you don't want to have to send more than one or two guys on a blitz and leave your coverage exposed. Force him into some decisions that Michigan State would rather not have him make. Make Tyver O'Connor make really good throws on third down to beat you. I think that's your defensive plan. And I, I'd be I'd be really disappointed if we have another offensive explosion for Michigan State in this series. I, I think you'll see uh, the best defensive performance against Michigan State that we've seen from an IU team in a while. Granted, the bar's not very high there, but I don't think you'll see them putting up, you know, another 550 yards of offense on Indiana. Yeah, and, you know, to to
2: go back to your defensive line, analysis, you know, they've they played all right, um, but they need to get pressure on the quarterback with yeah. without blitzing. Yeah. Um, and that's something that, that killed them against Wake Forest um, a little bit in terms of letting John Wolford sit back there for what seemed to be forever. Um, and if, you know, if you let Tyler O'Connor sit back there in the pocket, uh, the receivers are going to get open um, no matter who's yeah. in the secondary. So I think, you know, Trying to get these guys going. Hopefully, um, you know they can get more of a rush and 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 more of a push up front. Um, and, and when they do sack the quarterback, for the love of God, do not grab the face mask. Um, yeah, you know the, you know we've seen that twice this year uh, where sacks have come and and the the guy defender has has grabbed the face mask. So I think making O'Connor com- uh, uncomfortable. Uh, in the pocket and, and getting pressure there will help out the defense without having to send Scales or A'shawn Riggins or um, Marcelino Bull off the edge um, on, on blitzes. Although if you get to the point where, where you're ahead by that much, you could take a few more risks and, and start blitzing people and bring the heat. Um, but, but you're right. I think, you know, it is a, a pretty straightforward game plan. You know, stop the run, make them throw the ball. Um, and, and hope for the best. And you know, if Indiana gives up over, um, you know, thirty-five points a game, it'd be dis—or thirty-five points this game, it'd be um, pretty disappointing. But you know, it—it it, it all comes down to how much pressure they could get on Tyler O'Connor, um, and, and all of that, and, and limiting turnovers from from the IU offense. You know, running backs have to hold on to the ball, and uh, Richard Lego has to throw it to the correct team. And when he does, he, he's usually pretty good. Um, you know, over 1,000 yards, seven touchdown passes. Um, and
0: Tyler O'Connor
2: has five interceptions as well. Um, so, yep. anyway, let's go to, uh, let's go to predictions. Um, what's your prediction for the game?
3: Um, well, the easiest prediction that I can make will be that I actually know what I used going to wear this time. Uh, so I'm not going to get that prediction wrong. We know that we're wearing pink. Uh, for I use annual Pink Day, so I'll get at least one thing right. Um, my prediction Jamie. for the outcome, yeah. Uh, my prediction for the outcome of the game, um, you know, with the uncertainty surrounding
2: uh,
3: the health of IU's offensive line, I I, I think that Bull is going to play for Michigan State. I think that's going to boost them. Uh, I expect Indiana to play pretty well, but I think Michigan State will give a. A really good performance also, um, unfortunately, and I hope I'm wrong. I'll take the Spartans, uh, and I'm going to go with 31-27. Indiana missing out on a couple of scoring chance opportunities where they get
2: field goals instead of needed touchdowns. All right. Um, well, uh, you know, TJ predictions, I was wrong last week. I, You know, after uh, yeah, being early. We <laughs> fairly fairly decent on the first couple of weeks uh, but i, I feel I, I feel better this week than I did about last week um, you know it is the the uh, breast cancer awareness game uh, whether they go with the pink decals or as I, I've seen on some Facebook posts pink helmets um, I don't know um, you know they'll be wearing something pink um, but uh, you know I I think Indiana's going to pull this one out. I, I'll go, you know, 31-28 uh, with a late Griffin-Oaks field goal to win it, uh, and, and they bring back the spittoons And I, I just, I have a good feeling, I think if Feeney and, and Camille are back, you're going to see Camion Patrick a little bit more um, in terms of being a part of the offense. Um, you hope Cole Guest is back. Uh, and, you know, I think, that that pushes them over the top. Um, you know, Michigan state, it's about time they, they lose two in a row. Um, and you know, I I think coming in uh, Indiana might be more upset, um, and angry and ready to take it out on, on this team that has owned them for the past, you know, seven or eight games, um, since 2006. So it's a night game. Um, I know there's i midterms, which I, I think is poor planning on IU's part. Um, I get that it's school and that comes first, uh, but having tested yeah. at eight o'clock on a Saturday night, um, I, I understand the reasons for it, but you know, I think that that takes away some of the students, but hopefully um, the rest of the students who are not taking a test come back um, and, and make some noise. It's, it's a... It's a unique game. Uh, you don't get many primetime time Big Ten games in Bloomington under the lights. The weather is supposed to be spectacular. Uh, it's going to be cooler, so you won't be melting to the uh, to the bleachers. And you know, it's it's um, 31-28. I think Legault fixes fixes his turnover issues. The defense plays well enough, gets a few takeaways, uh, and, and they fix up the the special teams uh, mishaps and 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 uh, kick a field goal to win it. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly hope your outcome's right. I think we're in we're
3: in line and agreement that uh, we're expecting a pretty good performance from Indiana on Saturday. Whether or not they they win or lose, I I'm expecting a pretty good performance. And um, my my outlook on the season will change uh, if we don't get that. If they come out and lay an egg on Saturday after the way that they lost on, uh, against Wake Forest and my outcome for the season, uh, my outlook for the season changes, um, at least somewhat, you know, but, uh, hopefully we don't have to deal with that. And, um, you know, a win on Saturday would, would really be huge. It would erase the Wake Forest loss. Um, and I think would really be a huge positive for the program. So, I'd love to be talking about that on Monday. We'll have you know, continuing coverage this week. We'll have game day coverage, uh, like you said, the tailgate, and then uh, the game on Saturday. I'll get the article uh, recapping the game right up after uh, after it's over, and then we'll do our recap uh, podcast, and you'll have your rap and reaction. Uh, we'll have numbers that matter, and then we'll do our, our post-game pod on uh, Monday at noon and then move on to, well, yeah, we'll deal with it. We'll
2: deal with the next opponents well, after this game. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Ohio State when we have to. Um, but yeah. um, anyway, uh, thanks thanks for joining us. Uh, TJ, I, I, I have a good feeling about this week. You know, fans should take that uh, for what it's worth. Um, but thanks for joining us. So we blame you. Well, and... Yeah, you always blame me. So, yep. you know, just – Blame me for everything. People blame me for Kofi Hughes leaving early, even though his eligibility was up. So, um, anyway, uh, come hang out at the Hoosier Auto Tailgate. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, um, and we look forward to, to Saturday as always. Have a good one.
1: The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favourite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
0: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?